You're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. You probably did not know this. It's not commonly known among, among us. And I, I, I think that's not a good thing. Um, but today is uh, Emancipation Sunday. Um, probably didn't know that. It's not on the calendars anywhere. Well, it is on the calendar, but you probably didn't know it. Uh, we, haven't, uh, we haven't made a big deal of that. And, uh, but it's a part of who we are. It's a part of our message. It's a part of our theology. Emancipation. Deliverance. Freedom. Amen. And I, I, I hope that you have experienced that in the very depths of your soul. And, uh, and you can sing that song with full conviction. It is well, because you have been set free. And if you're in Christ, then this passage of Scripture should speak to you. And this is what it says. Jesus stood in the, in the, uh, in the synagogue, and the scroll was handed to him, and he read these words. It comes out of Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'll just pause for a minute and let somebody shout right there. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. If you're in Christ, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. I hope that you live with an awareness and a consciousness, uh, an alertness, a conviction that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And if the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, He has anointed you. The Spirit of the Lord rests upon you so that you might be anointed to do His acts of service. And part of his acts of service is this, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoner and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set free the oppressed, to set the oppressed free, the NIV puts it, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So that is us. We are his ambassadors. We proclaim the good news of the redemption, of deliverance, of salvation. And Christ has set us free. It's Emancipation Sunday. And in our history, in our culture, in our world, it should be a big celebration. And I don't know why it's not a big celebration. Um, so we'll address that. On September the 22nd, 1863, what year was it? 1863, in the year, in September 22nd, 1863, none of you were alive. <laughs> that was about, what, a hundred and, do the math, you mathematicians. 157 years ago, no one qualifies, not even Buddy Bryant. No one here was there. But it was in the year of 1863. Abraham Lincoln signed in September 22nd. So we're, we're, September, the, we're September the 20th. So two days away, we're reaching, a, we're reaching an anniversary point. That's why today is, is, is called uh, Emancipation Sunday. Abraham Lincoln signed a preliminary Emancipation Proclamation, which required that within 100 days, all slaves in the United States would be set free. 
Amen. Hallelujah. See, that should be a big shouting ground right there. That should be a big shouting point right there. Think about it. I, I, I looked it up. You can Google this. There was like a little less than 4 million slaves in the United States in 1863. Or around 1860. 1860 and 1863. Do you know they estimate that there was probably less than 3 million Hebrews who were in slavery in Egypt when they came out of Egyptian slavery? So there were more slaves emancipated, set free in the United States, than Hebrews that came out of Egypt in the great exodus. Isn't that amazing? A historical little fun fact there. I, 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 I learned that word. A fun fact. Something probably you never really thought about. There were more slaves set free in the United States than slaves that God delivered out of Egyptian slavery uh, in the exodus story. Uh, it, it's an amazing thing. So, that, that was decreed in uh, September 22nd, 1863. Now, this is important because we are historical people. We live in history. History has significance, and, and, and we, learn, we learn about ourselves through, through the passing of time and through the events of time. So, it's important that we know our history. Someone said, if we don't know our history, we're bound to repeat it. We're bound to repeat it because we didn't learn. So we learn from our history. For instance, if I put my hand on a hot stove, guess what I'm not going to do from that day forward? I'm not going to put my hand on a hot stove to the best of my ability. If I have any awareness that that stove's hot, I'm not touching it again. I learned from that. So the emancipation is henceforth and forevermore, all slaves shall be free. So now, uh, uh, you maybe this year, this year, I learned for the first time. I'm so ashamed of that. This is what I'm trying to say to you, is that this is not big in our consciousness. This is not something we're aware of. We don't know about it. However, it's a big deal. And it's not in our favor that we don't know these things. It's not, it's not a plus for us that we do not know this. So that I just learned this year, and I'm past 40 years of age. And, and, and I was supposed to be a history major in college. But this was, I didn't know this. I mean, if I read it, I, I mean, I glanced over it. It wasn't pointed out. I didn't get a test question on it. But, but, um, but Juneteenth, how many of you have heard that expression by now? Juneteenth. See, most of us, even though it's a big deal in our culture, in our history, in our nation, we don't know about it. But we need to know about it, and we need to celebrate it. We need to be joyful, because it is a part about who we are as the people of God. I'm serious. As the people of God, we should celebrate this. And it should be a time of celebration like Christmas and Easter almost. Not quite because they have to do with the birth of God and God's activity within himself and his own salvation history. But the deliverance of nearly four million people from the bonds of slavery is a big deal. Thank you for that amen. That's a big deal. I mean, maybe it's not so big to you because you never were chained up. But I guarantee you, if you were the one chained up, you would be celebrating. It's amazing what, if, if you're not the one suffering, you're not that touched by it. But if you're the one suffering, if you're the one in the hospital, if you're the one hurting, it consumes your whole world. So we need to have that perspective on it. So the reason there's a name called Juneteenth, because two years later, it took two years from the time Abraham Lincoln made the pronouncement to the time when, it, when every slave in the United States was free, it was June the, t the 19th of 1865, two years later. 
So it took two years for that word and that action to take effect in, in throughout the whole United States. So Juneteenth is the actual day when every slave in the United States was actually set free because a, 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 some federal troops went into the state of Texas and liberated every slave that was still in chains. Big deal. So now you know, when you see that word, what that is. So... Finally, once and for all and forevermore, slavery was no longer a practice in the United States of America. And so we uh, all have learned about the Emancipation Proclamation. Hallelujah. So. What's sad uh, is that Almost from the beginning of human history, and I, I literally, that's not hyperbole, almost from the beginning of human history, in the very infancy of human history, in the cradle of human history, slavery has been practiced. It is astonishing, but when you understand, well, we don't understand, to the degree that we're able to understand the depth and the depravity of the human person. The depth, the depth of the depravity of the human person and what one human being can do to another human being is astonishing. The horrific, the horrific acts and practices that one group of people do to another group of people or one person does to another person and I'm not talking about ancient times, I'm talking about today or yesterday. The inhumanity of humanity to one another. And the degrading of one another as though, and the reason this is the case, is that because we do not see through the eyes of heaven, and we do not see other people as created in the image of God. We see them as less than. Well, we judge them by their, their clothes. We judge them by their language. We drug them, drug, drug them. Don't be dragging anybody nowhere. You have drugged them. Now, now, Francis has a funny word about that. She was drugged. She was drugged to church. She was drugged to school and all kinds of things like that. It's not a bad idea, actually, if you've got youngins. They generally don't want to go where it's good for them. So the practice of slavery has been a part of the human experience from its very beginning. You are hard-pressed I'm talking about, for instance, like if, and I don't know the exact time frame, I'm just coming up with a number. Say like if human history was, um, was about a 6,000 year span of time. Do you realize that from the beginning of human history to this point, and if it, if it was 6,000 years, I'm not saying that it is, I'm just saying if you just put a number out there, there would have been the practice of slavery throughout the world for 5,800 of those years on every planet, on nearly every people group. From Asia, from Africa to, to uh, pre-European North America to, to uh, Africa. It doesn't matter where you go. Humans enslaved other humans from the cradle of, 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 of human history. It is so sad that that is the case. How, did you know that? Did you understand that? The, the, the debasement of human history. The debasement of, of the human person throughout its entire history. And we're going to say more about this next week, only it'll be from a different, different angle. So you're hard-pressed to find a people group where that, that did not practice. In, in fact, in Rome, in Jesus' day, it is said that it is high, of the population of Rome, and, and, the, and the time of Jesus, 
it fluctuated between a third and one half of the population of Rome in Jesus' day were slaves. I mean, the enslavement of, of people and of humans throughout our history is, is deplorable. And it has been that way throughout most of the history of humanity. On every continent and among every people group, you are hard-pressed to find uh, 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 the absence of, of slavery. Now, think about this. Slavery has been practiced. I'm, I'm we're sticking with my numbers for the sake of just having numbers to work with. 5,800 of human years. Among, on all planets, on all planets, on all continents, and among all people groups, and you're hard-pressed to find, a, you can't find a continent, you might find a people group that that did not happen. I don't know of them, but you probably could find one if you looked. But it was largely practiced all over the world, and in barbaric kinds of ways. And it wasn't until the early 1800s, it wasn't, now think about this, from the beginning of human history, all throughout the various people groups and history and unfold and armies and nations and rising and falling of nations, there's this practice of humanity. And it wasn't until the 1800s, which was not that long ago, thinking in historical terms. Please, like, think about this. Like we talk about, we talk about uh, the Holocaust. It wasn't that long ago. I mean, you can look at news clips from just in the last three months and you can see barbarism practiced in horrific ways. It's astonishing. But, 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 but the degradement of the human person outside of the grace of God is incomprehensible. In fact, Jeremiah, the, I think it was Jeremiah the prophet said that the, the, the wickedness of the human heart and mind is inconceivable. It can't be known it's that depraved. Outside of the grace of God. But along about the time of the early, of the early 1800s, and it actually preceded that, but it began to be formed and articulated and written about and argued about, is that there was this abolitionist movement that began to spring up. That began to spring up in, in Europe. In, 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 uh, in, in the regions where Christianity were expressed in, in, in a national kind of sense. So as far as I can tell, and, uh, and this is a week study, so, I mean, it take a whole semester to write this. But looking and researching and writing and thinking, it was, in about, it was in 1804 that the first nation, as far as I can tell, you might could find another one, but it's not going to be that far off. But as far as, as, as nations in the world who legally, who put it down in paper, who made it law that you could not have slaves in this nation was in um, uh, um, uh, Denmark. In 1804, as far as I can tell, it was the first nation on the planet who said you cannot have slaves in this country. And then about four years later, I think it was 1807, that's three years, uh, then Britain, uh, Great Britain, established a law that there could no longer be slaves in, in Britain or in its colonies. So that did a lot toward then helping shape the American conscience, which you know the, some of more of that story, because we begin to have debates and arguments which, which sprang forth in a civil war which killed hundreds of thousands of men and women. Bloody, bloody battles in the civil war. And it's done so unfortunate that generally throughout history, uh, defeated people groups 
were enslaved by the victors, and they were carried off into slavery. And this happened all over the world. Now, there were other forms of, of, of slavery or like slavery called debt labor, whereas if you be, became indebted to a particular person or a family or, 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 or company, then your, your father might sell you into slave labor. And once you worked long enough to pay off the debt, then you were set free. But a lot of times, if someone was caught in that, they couldn't work enough to pay off the debt. So, so another family member would be sold to help pay that. And if necessary, and there weren't enough children, there weren't enough resources, the father would sell him own self to help pay off so the whole family would be now uh, debt laborers. Just put yourself in the shoes of those who have... That was, that was the, the experience of, 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 of many, many, many human beings throughout history. Even, even, in, even in, uh, in, in Asia, what we now call Russia, before it became like Russia and the Soviet Union, there, were, there was the practice, and you remember reading about this in your history books, the serfs, the serfs who, who, who served landlords, and they were like slaves. They, they, they worked and they served and they gave their crops to the, to the landlord, and, and many of them, their children suffered. They could be killed for the slightest of infractions, imprisoned, and it was just horrible, horrible life for so many people who lived... Uh, uh, before we did. So, at least in, in the Christian countries of Western Europe and, and now in the United States, slavery is illegal. There are places in the, in the world where it is not illegal even this very day. And our whole theology, our whole theology is built on the idea of emancipation. This is why I don't understand why it's not been a bigger deal for us historically. Because our whole theology is about emancipation. To be set free from, we sing about it. My chains are gone, I've been set free. You know, but we don't put it in a historical context. We, we think about it in, in abstract theological kinds of concepts, and we don't realize the reason we sing that is because there are thousands and thousands, a hundred thousand, millions of people who actually were chained up as slaves. And the reason we sing about that is because we know historically chains have been broken off and, and we've been set free. And that's a big deal. So it should be a big deal for us. And it'd be something we should celebrate. It should be a big deal in our lives. It's a turning away from. It's, it's repentance. When we, when we, when the, 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 uh, the proclamation of emancipation, it's, it's kind of like a repentance. It's a, it's a turning away from. It's what the idea of repentance is. It's a turning away from. So we, we celebrate that. It's a, it's a turning away from, our, from maybe some people call it like our original sin to turn away from. So maybe, you know, I was just thinking, if, if we in the church had made a bigger deal of it, if we had celebrated that, if we had, if we had like, like we don't know about it historically. We, we, I mean, we kind of have a vague idea of it. But if, if we in the church who, who understand what emancipation is, who sing about being free, who sing about being liberated, who, be, who talk about having a new life and a new start, if we had made a bigger deal of it, I wonder, I wonder if maybe our land could be far along, if not completely healed by now. Just thinking about it. If we had made a bigger deal about it, could we have been further, further, a lot further up the road? Maybe healing would be so much more complete. Perhaps reconciliation could be achieved by now. I say perhaps because I don't know. I don't know human heart. But we are no longer slaves. 
And we celebrate that. We just sang about that. I'm no longer a slave to fear. We're no longer a slave to sin. And, 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 and that's where we get it because we never experienced the actual change. But, but most of us, no, all of us have experienced the, the change of, of sin and the bondage of sin, and, and that, that sin and death, we were locked in, we were chained, we were spiritually slaves to sin, sold to sin. He, Paul uses that language. We are sold to sin. We are, we, it has dominion over us. It's our Lord, it's our Master, and so we serve it. We serve sin. Well, what in the world is sin? Sin is multifaceted, multidimensional, and it, it shapes our lives in all kinds of ways. And, and in many ways, we don't know what it is. And we know that it's a, it's a law, it's a power, it's a curse, it's at work. We have to leave some place where, where we can't explain it. It's, um, it's the mystery of iniquity. It's, it's, it's almost inexplicable, but we see it working out in our lives. We see it working out in our personal lives. We see it working out in our homes. We see it working out in the church. We see it working out in the culture. And we, we know it theologically. And we know that the penalty of it is death. And wherever sin goes is brokenness and despair and, and, and enslavement and, and eventually disease, disease and death. It works its way out in, in life and we see it. But we're not slaves to that. The reason is because God, out of great love, saw our despair, saw our brokenness and was moved by his own love to rescue us out of that morass and brokenness. To rescue us. So he stepped into a world of, of sin, cursed darkness and, and was the light of the world and, and, and shone a light among the slaves and were enslaved with, with sin and death and to bring them liberation and set them free so that they could have new lives and, and live in freedom where he who Christ sets free is free indeed. We sing about it in our, in our hymns. Or at least we used to. Remember this one? Once I was bound by sin's galling fetters, chained like a slave, I struggled in vain. But I received a glorious freedom when Jesus broke my fetters in twain. Glorious freedom, wonderful freedom, no more in chains of sin I repine. Jesus the glorious emancipator. Now and forever he shall be mine because he is the liberator. He is the rescuer. He breaks the chains and he changes our life if we'll let him. If we'll let him. He swung open the doors. He broke the chains. He speaks and light appears. Through the power of the cross and the shed blood, the shed blood of Jesus, you have been provisionally set free. The entire created cosmos has been set free from the curse of sin and the power of sin and the dominion of sin. The prison doors have been swung open wide and liberation has been pronounced and the bonds of sin and of death have been broken. We talked, Paul talks about that. Sin exerts or tries to exert dominion over you. And see, this is uh, sometimes in our language, you use, we use concrete language when it's a very dynamic language. And sometimes we're, we're trapped by that, we're ensnared by that. And what I mean by that is, um, well, before I go there, let me give you this, this hymn of Wesley. It's one of my favorite hymns of all. And can it be that I should gain an interest 
in the Savior's blood. Died He for me who caused His pain. But it goes on to say, in the, like it's the third or the fourth uh, verse, long my imprisoned spirit lay. Fast bound in sin and nature's night. But thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off and my heart was free. And I rose and I went forth and I followed you. Because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And you're not bound by sin and its ways. This is an amazing thing. This is a glorious thing. That's why we sing the song, glorious freedom, wonderful freedom. No more in chains of sin do I repine. Jesus, now and forever, he shall be mine. But sin is a power. As I said a minute ago, it's, it's multifaceted. It's, it's, it's indescribable. We see it's working out in, in life. It's a binding power. You, you stretch your imagination. You stretch your vocabulary to, to try to come to some articulation of, of what it is. And you say one thing, but then there's another dimension. There's another level. There's another, there's another thing that you overlook. There's a, can't quite get your hand on it. And, but it serves as master and dominion. And, and in fact, the scripture says that, that uh, the carnal nature, which is, which is the, the, uh, the, the, the manifestation of, of the sin principle in the human person, it's not subject to God. It's not subject. It will not obey God. Whatever it is, it will not obey God. It's not subject to God. Neither indeed, Paul says, can it be. It is hostile to God. And wars against God. That's the craziest thing about it. Is that God has spoken. And, uh, and, and we're like little, I mean, we're not even ants. Compared to the power of the Almighty. We're not even ants. We're less than that. But for sake of, 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 of a word picture, it's like the little black ant that crawls on your sidewalk. It raises its little spiny leg and says, I'm going to live life like I want to. And all God has to do is like blow. You have to blow and you just think it and you're like a vapor. But see, this principle of sin, the law of sin, the, the dimension of sin that is at work in the world and work in you and I will not resist, will not, I mean, I'm sorry, will not submit to who God is because we want to be our own sovereign. Ah, oh, very good. So, the scripture says, whatever this thing is that we call sin, and it's much deeper than lying and cheating and stealing. That's just manifestations of it. And those things that we call sin, are, they are the manifestations of sin, but it's much deeper than that, and this is where we need to go. Because if we don't deal with that, it's still going to manifest itself in various kinds of ways. Because we have to go to the heart of the matter, and only God by the Spirit can deal with it. You can't deal with it. You can't master it. You, you, are, you know the little ant thing? You're less than that. And the cosmic powers that be, you're less than that. And we have lost the art of the spiritual discipline. And so we walk around so puny, so weak, and so frail, while the power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in the world and is to be at work in you 
so that you are an overcomer. You are a conqueror. Not in yourself, but through the power of the Spirit of Jesus that is alive in you. So the Scripture says, you're not just trying to discipline yourself so you'll be a better person. Thank God that you use some discipline to be a better person. I appreciate that. But that's not going to deal with the core of the issue. The Scripture says, this thing called sin which manifests itself in a carnal, incarnated, incarnated in flesh and blood, has to be put to death. Has to be put to death. And see, when I say dead, then we're no, things that are dead don't come back alive. So we have to be careful about our language, so things that are dead don't come back alive. So we're like, well, I put that to death like last week, and there it is again. Because it's dynamic. It's not concrete language or, or concepts. It's dynamic concepts, which means there's life to it. It's like the root from the tree that you dug up and you cut it down and you pulled the root out and you went out next spring and here comes a little sprig and you go, where did that come from? I cut that down. I had that root dug up. Where did that come from? Well, there was a little piece still down in there. And, and the scripture says, be careful. Be on your guard. Lest a little root of bitterness spring up. Be on your guard because there it is. It's, it's down there. It's a, it's, it's, see, there's a sin principle. It's a law at work in the, on, the, on the earth. And it touches your life. And it's, 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 in the created, it's in the entire created order. So if you're not on your guard, if you're not in the Word, if you're not, if you're not practicing spiritual disciplines, you're not setting before the Lord. Who does that? Set before the Lord. And wait for him. We don't do that. We wait on the TV to come on. We wait on the computer to boot up. We wait on the store to open. We wait on the groceries to be delivered. We don't wait on the Lord. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Sorry for hollering. And they will mount up like little tiny biddies peeping around. Just hoping they don't get stepped on. Barely can make it. But oh God, I'm holding on. No, that is not us. That is not what we're supposed to be. They shall mount up with wings like sparrows. Waiting for the hawk to come and take them out. Wings of eagles. And they shall walk. Don't you... Don't you Maybe you didn't. But man, see, when I was a sinner, my sermon is going to just get completely blown up. So just pray for grace, okay? I'll pray for you for grace and you pray for me for grace. (laughs) I'll do the best I can. Don't you remember when you went to church and as a sinner boy, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, I almost hated it. Not because I didn't want to sit there, because the saints of God would be mounting up. And they would be roaring like lions. And they would be praying fire down from heaven and conviction on my sinner heart. And almost, I, I would figure out a way to get out of there if I could if my mom and daddy weren't watching. Because I, I didn't want to experience the conviction. Because I would be under conviction I, I, because I knew who I was and what I was doing. More who I was was not lined up with the king of heaven. And I wanted to rule my own, my own world and not be subject to him. 
But thanks be to God, my stubborn will finally yielded. And I can say from that moment until this moment, I will be thine and thine alone. Yes. Yes. So it has to be put to death. Now, let me, the reason I had this come out here is because I wanted to show you something. Because sometimes people are visual learners and some are auditory learners and some don't learn at all. But, you know, <laughs> just had to throw that last piece in there. <clears throat> so I wanted to try to illustrate in a visual kind of way. And I'm borrowing this from Martin Luther, the reformer, which you've probably heard a hundred times. But sometimes we need to be reminded. So, uh, okay, like, 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 how many of you had Psychology 101 in your college and whatever? So uh, you, you came up, you, you, you were introduced to... Uh, this word. Can you read that? Id. The id. The id. See, I, I, in psychology 101, I, 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 they, you, you, we all, we all are, uh, have the id. Well, I thought, what in the world? What really I interested in the id? I was interested in getting out of there. But, um, but you know, psychology 101, you learn that the human person is, the very core of his, his or her being is the id. And, you know, what I discovered is that the id is just a German translation of the English word, it. You're, you're an it. I didn't know that, but that's... So it. So we have to leave room for even psychology, even secular psychology. We can't quite get there. We know there's something there, and, and we call it the id, but it's an it, and it's multifaceted, and there's all kinds of strata in there, and once we think we have something figured out, there's another one pops up, and like, oh my goodness, we didn't know. So... So what the scripture does is call it, can you read that? Self. So psychology says, pretty much says the same thing. The self, the it, or the id. It doesn't matter. It's saying the same thing at the core of your being. So this is what happened. So God made us in right relationship with him. That's what that's supposed to signify. I'm in alignment with God. I am, God and I are on good terms. But what happened in the curse, and I hope I can do this in a way that's understandable. This is what happened. This is why we're messed up. This is why every human being is messed up. This is why we have to practice grace because you are not the only one that's not messed up. I tell people that sometimes. I'm the only one. And everybody knows better than that. So what's, this is what the principle or the law of sin did. It took this and turned it into this. That's what it did. So, if I had this going right, that made this go right. I didn't mean to draw a cross, but it just kind of showed up. If my perpendicular relationship is good, my horizontal relationships are so much more improved. You know why? Huh? It's, well, that's, yes, we could leave it at that because that's God's plan. That's how he designed it. But when I follow the way of the curse, it's all about me. So if I get angry, you just cross the line, brother and sister. And you're going to pay a price. 
You talk about me? Hey, I'm all about me. I'm going to talk about you. And I see hummingbird cake. I'm going to be the first one in the line because y'all might take it. And I'm all about me. So I want to get there first and get a piece because you might take it all. I'm all about me. When it comes to serving, well, I ain't got time for that. Who's got time for that? I mean, I got shopping to do. I got cooking to do. I got a yard to mow. I got, I got, I got phone calls to make. I got TV programs to watch. I got a vacation to take on. I got, I mean, I just, my life is full. Who, who has room for serving? Because my life is all about me. Oh, 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 you just took my car, parking place. You just took my parking place. Oh, man, oh. Then something called bitterness kind of like works its way in. Like, oh, boy, about to, I know. They, they, knew my, my, they knew that was my parking place. They knew I'd been parking there for 10 years. And they had the audacity to park there. That was my classroom. That was my classroom. And they wanted to move my classroom over there. I can't believe they're moving my classroom. Hello? Hello? And see... When I'm living God's way, that's why I tell you, you, you can't make me mad. Now, a brick or a stone might make me mad. But, but you, you're not going to make me mad. Can you hurt my feelings? Probably, but I'll get over it. Because you know what? If I start feeling sorry for myself, the Spirit of God will say, <clears throat> what you doing there, Brent? I go, well, I don't feel real good right now. Well, why not? Well, because Seth said I wasn't a very good pastor or preacher. And I've given my whole life to that. I mean, I've studied. I've, 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 I mean, who, what does he know about being a preacher? What does he know about being a pastor? What is he criticizing me for? Has he ever done it? He shouldn't be saying that about me. And I ain't going to talk to Seth no more. In fact, you just wait till he gets sick. I'm not even going to call him. Something begins to take up residence in there. Before long, I've opened up a little door, a little, uh, what Bible calls a stronghold. That's where the devil goes, oh, oh, I see you got a little bitterness. We're buddies. Now, he's not going to tell you that, but he's going to slip alongside and say, yeah, you are very justified in that feeling. You know, he doesn't like you anyway, so you're very justified. And so I wouldn't even, I, I, in fact, I'd, I'd do something, I, I wouldn't give any money. I wouldn't help. I wouldn't serve. In fact, I would do everything I can to make sure he's not there. Because you and I, you know, hey, we're good in this. So, not only that, but you know, his his wife, she don't like you either. So let's let's just let's just say something about her too. And uh, don't ever speak to her when you see her. Don't give her any compliments. Don't just don't do that. You know, let's make them pay. Okay. Yeah. We're good. I mean, they deserve it anyway. And so what happens is we give an opening door to the enemy. And he, listen, he's smarter than you are. He's trickier than you are. He's more crafty than you are. His arguments are stronger than your arguments. So how are you going to do what are you going to do? Here's what you do. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Because, see, your sin isn't against me. I'm not your savior I'm not your king I'm not your judge 
I'm just Brent, a broken vessel. But I belong to God. I'm created in his image. But guess what? So are you. So I can't work against you. I can't hold bitterness against you. I can't hold you into account. Because I didn't die for you. I didn't save you. You don't belong to me. You belong to him. So what happens is, what happens is, is the Spirit of God comes along and says, Fire. see, sin, the principle of sin comes and starts pushing. And then you hear a word or you read a word or it comes to mind, you happen to go to church that day and it says, be careful lest any root of bitterness spring up. And you go, ooh, wow. The Spirit of God says, I think I see that right there. And what, what you do in response is you go, I'm not yielding to that. I choose God. Did it hurt? You're a human being, aren't you? Probably stung a little bit. So when the Bible says you are set free, it means I want to be careful. This is not automatic. See, we, we would like for it to be automatic. I, I would like to say, okay, God, uh, from, this, from henceforth and forevermore, I want to be free from being irritated ever. I'm giving that over to you. I'm laying it on this altar And uh, so we're good. Now go ahead and zap me with the divine zap button. And we're good. Amen. And I leave out of church and I'm whistling and everything is all good. And people say hi. And I get to the parking lot. And uh, there comes Amanda and Francis. And they're in front of me. And Amanda says she must be on her phone. And then here comes Stan. And Stan stops and talks to somebody. So here's Amanda and Francis. They're in the van. They're taking their time. She must be on the phone. Here comes Stan. He's just taking his time. And then Terry pulls right in front of me. He knows I'm trying to get out, but he pulls right in front of me anyway. Something begins to happen inside of me, and I'm getting a little irritated. All I want to do is get to Bojangles and get a biscuit and some chicken. And here comes everybody in my way. And I'm just really getting ticked off because, I mean, I've been here all day, and I, you know, I want to get out. Why you, Stan, hurry up. Come on, Amanda, get off the phone. Terry, you know better than that. You know what it's like to be at church. I'm trying to get out. I got some chicken to eat. And before I get out of the parking lot, I got a test. Am I going to be at peace? Is my id or it or self going to take charge? Or is the Spirit of the Lord going to say something along the line, they that wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings of eagles. They shall walk and not get weary. They run and not faint. I think you can make this two or three minutes and not blow up your id. (laughs) Okay. The thing about it is, 
See, no one else. I may be smiling. <laughs> yeah, I wish they'd hurry up. <laughs> I, I'm ready to get out of here. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey. Yeah, that's me. I, I know. I'm, yeah. I, you know, go ahead and tell me it's a good sermon. You know, a little long, but a good sermon. Go ahead. <laughs> get out of my way. See, you don't know what's going on. But the Spirit of God and myself know what's going on. And only me and God is going to work this out. So God knows exactly what's going on. He is, he is discerner of the heart and the intents and thoughts of the heart. So I've got to choose. Lord, is it you or is it me? The amazing thing is, God is so loving kindness that he will not stop. He will not give up. He will pursue. He will not let go. And he will keep chasing you. Now let me just finish this because I know there's some chicken to eat. Let me just wrap it up with this. Even though Abraham Lincoln issued the proclamation of emancipation, it was two years later before the final slave was set free. I read a story just this week of a Japanese soldier who did not get the news that the emperor had signed a peace agreement with the United States on September the 2nd, 1945. For five years, he hid out in the Philippine woods, the woods of the Philippine Islands. And finally, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but it, it, he kind of figured the war had to be over and the Japanese have had to win because the Japanese aren't going to lose. And somehow he made his presence known only to understand that he did not have to hide in those woods for the past three previous five years. That the war was over. He didn't have to keep fighting. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on an old rugged cross to set you and to set me free from the bondage to self. The word has gone out. The proclamation has been made. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't have to be in bondage to this. You can be set free and live like this. But not everyone has heard the word. Not everyone has received the word. Not everyone has understood the word. So he sends out messengers, and you're one of them. And God is making his appeal to the world through you and through me. I say, let's not grow weary in well-doing. But in due time, we'll reap if we faint not. Lord, thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, that you did break the bonds, that you did swing open the prison doors, and we do not have to live enslavement to sin in its various dimensions of being. But your grace is sufficient for the day. And your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway to help us to know how you want us to walk and how you want us to be. We know, we know because of the scriptures that we will miss the mark. It is not our aim, it is not our intention, it is not what we want. And so because of that, we offer grace to one another. Because just as we miss the mark, they miss the mark. And so we bear with one another because Christ loves us and bears with us. So be exalted, O oh God, in your church. Be exalted, O oh God, in our homes. Be exalted, O oh God, in our lives. And may the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.